Have you ever performed a toe crunch? I don't know what a toe crunch is. Neither do I, but apparently it's really good to get you back in contention for the Tour de France. Who's been toe crunching? You're going to find out a little bit later on. But maybe Do you it's, know what it is? No, I mean, I mean, I'm thinking maybe it's like, like a squat or something on your toes. So like... A calf raise? Is it not just a toe raise? <laughs> I don't know. I think okay. we're going to have to we're Google gonna have to that. Find out. We're going to find out <laughs> so much in the latest edition of the Wheelhouse podcast. I'm using a bit of a serious news voice because there is an absolute shit fight happening where we are in beautiful Italy, although you might not know it looking at this amazing backdrop. We've escaped the weather and come to lovely Venice for the third episode on our Italian jaunt. And my, my, Kate Bates, haven't we got... A bit to discuss. My name's Joel Spreadborough. Hello to you. Hello, Joel Spreadborough. You know, most weeks, to pull back the curtain a little bit, uh, how we do the rundowns, you know, each day we pop something in there that may have happened overnight. And usually by the end of the week, there's one or two items that may not be relevant they, anymore. They haven't, they've dated. Uh, they've dated, fair yeah. Fair to say this Giro has created a bit of a bin fire each day, a daily bin fire for our rundowns. Mm. Uh, everything is changing so quickly. Yeah, look, it's gone spectacularly wrong or spectacularly right, depending on your perspective. There's uh, not a lot of spectacularly right at this no. point. Uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about the implications around uh, Remco's withdrawal and the subsequent discussion around the impact of COVID, the protocols as they stand. Aussie watch, we've had some sad news, we've had some near misses, uh, but we have got an Aussie staying in the mix as best as possible. And what does Pog do to uh, pass the time when he's healing from a fractured wrist? We're going to find out all that and much, Ooh. much more. My name's Charles Prever, lovely to be with you. Oh, I just rang a bell. Didn't even mean to do that. Let's get <laughs> let's get underway. Now, Kate, uh, Kate Bates, sorry. Don't know what I was going to call you then, Kate Lyons. Not sure. I'll take Kate it. Bates. Uh, there's only one way to describe it. We've we've touched on it. An utter shit fight <laughs> uh, in the Giro. Yeah. Let's let's talk let's talk about the frigid conditions because I don't know if frigid quite does it justice. It has been absolutely appalling. Everything from, I guess, just just basic visibility and safety to just downright oppressive conditions what do you make of it it has been absolutely insane weather conditions in italy isn't it i mean in australia it's autumn coming into winter and mm. a lot of people are having a little bit of a whinge about what the uh, conditions have been like hello I, everyone back home by the way i mean i myself have you know seen my mother uh, wearing some ugg boots that are questionable whether they are even necessary in the Australian conditions. Mm, I mean, we mm. take cold pretty seriously here. Uh, but it turns out that um, summer in Europe can be exceptionally harsh, or I suppose still the end of the spring. Yeah. Um, but it does, you know, talking about my mother's Ugg boots, sorry about that, Jude. Uh, probably get a terse text message later for that one. Uh, <laughs> It reminds us that Aussies aren't very good in the cold, Joel. And I, I think poor Jay Vine uh, has really highlighted that this week. So slipped out of GC contention, uh, not feeling so fine, Jay Vine, as it would turn out. And I'm just going to update our our box. Do we need to update uh, Jay Vine anywhere? Oh, you've, oh no, you've got him box. as a smoky. So I, I, let's interpret that. Uh, he, he's sitting now in 36th spot, 25 minutes down. So I think he's out of GC. Uh, but he can definitely go for some stages, I think. Okay. Um, a la the Vuelta last year, if uh, the weather improves, which okay. it is set to improve. But I want to ask you for some science, mm. some medicine, some physiology, because you said, Jay, 
a lot of Aussies, I, I guess, used to different climates and all of that, seem to be potentially doing it a little bit tougher. And we are seeing, we will talk about riders very much embracing the cold conditions and actually saying, you know what, let's tackle it. Let's just get into it as much as we can. Why do some riders mm. suffer more than others? Yeah, we're looking at you, Magnus Court, for somebody mm. <laughs> embracing the cold. Right. It, it, so I had a chat to uh, the guys at Core Body Temp um, who they have these fantastic devices who help the athletes um, monitor and acclimatise their body temperature. A lot of the time when we talk about temperature, we talk about how they're handling the heat and how they regulate body temperature and, and stay cool enough. Uh, but it is a real consideration in the cold because you have mentally this thing where your body is literally telling you to go home. It's going into protection mode. It's saying we can't handle this cold, go home. And so the athletes are battling that. But on top of that, physiologically, you're going into a bit of a shutdown mode where your body is protecting itself. And so when Jay talks about like simple, I was just too cold, it's not like I didn't like it and I was freaking out. His body is telling him, stop. And you're you're not as responsive. You're not able to break as quickly, which really affects your descending, which was a big uh, factor for Jay. Uh, But also your body's not um, allowing enough, uh, the same amount of energy to be available um, to your system for the high performance because it's literally thinking it's a bear going into hibernation mode. So, yeah, the, the the classic and probably outdated mantra of just harden up, take a tablespoon of concrete, just get on with it, just is not actually possible. Well, you know, good question because yes and no to a degree, but not on the day. And so um, Chris from Core Body Temp explained it really well in saying the Aussies are behind the eight ball when it comes to cold because the conditions just aren't cold enough here and Mm. we're not acclimatised to it. So acclimatised is um, the term they're using. Uh, But also the fact that a lot of the Aussies kind of overdress essentially in training because they find it quite frankly, bloody cold. And so you put on everything you can to get through it and to train and you think you're doing a really good job training, but you're not acclimatising to it because you have so many layers on. So you have to, you just, you have to suck it up. You have that, to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's got to become part of your training strategy that if you right. want to improve how you naturally are in the cold, because, you know, taking into consideration that some people just acclimatise better in different temperatures. Mm. But if you don't acclimatise well, you need to factor that in. You need to dress in less and start getting used to it a little bit. I mean, it's the same as these uh, things around ice baths. We've talked about that. I've got an ice bath. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you that it gets easier. Yeah. Uh, but it is horrendous when it starts. And so I think to a degree they do need to toughen up a bit in training and factor it in strategically uh, because once um, Jay was confronted with these conditions, there was nothing he could do. Um, so he couldn't toughen up on the day. It's just perhaps now realising that he doesn't operate very well in these frigid conditions. Mm-hmm. And what can he do in the pre-season um, and in general day-to-day training to get a bit better at that? Nude runs at, <laughs> in the snow, oh, I think, look, are the hey. answer there. Yeah. Uh, trust me, it works. Uh, <laughs> sorry I didn't reply to the email invite to get in your ice bath for 30 um, minutes as well. I just... It's all right. Some other time. I'm not going to give up on that. Yeah. No, that's all right. This is the Wheelhouse Podcast. We're talking about the shit show that is the Giro. <laughs> and I, with all respect to the race itself, because it it does keep on giving as far as storylines go. It's been extraordinary just to not a lot of them about prowess on the road, unfortunately. Mm. But let's let's go into it, because one of the things that we love when we talk about the Giro, and 
being here in Italy, in beautiful Venice, obviously we're away from it at the moment. If there was a stage in Venice, it'd be fine. You'd probably need a paddle wheeler to get through it, but well, it'd, be, it'd be okay. No, I mean, it's beautiful here. And my sister was telling her, I was telling her about us uh, heading to Venice, that she did an edition of the Women's Dura d'Italia and uh, they did a time trial in Venice. Oh. And then with where it finished, they all then evacuated them on uh, gondolas. On gondolas! Yes, but I, I can say that they pre-booked the gondolas to get them out, not like the uh, cable cars on That's the mountain fantastic. at the beginning of the Giro. But, yeah, so there you go. So Venice does have a very rich history with the women's Giro. Okay, well, that's yes. great. Well, look, it also has a rich history with beautiful blue skies and sunshine, which <laughs> is why I know. it is really lovely to be here. And just yes. a quick... Ciao! <laughs> Bellissimo! Bellissimo! <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, hospitable <laughs> place. Uh, closest I've been to Venice was in Las Vegas. The Venetian Hotel oh, has its yeah. own canal. Went on a gondola ride there. Not quite Venice, but hey, pale imitation. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's talk about peaks, because there's peaks, there's troughs, and then there is the iconic... And the legendary Chimacopi. And Chima I want to talk about the Chimacopi. I want to talk about the... What is it? Chimacopi. Yeah, Chima Chimacopi. It's been chopped. The chopping of the choppy is what I want yes. to talk about. Uh, extraordinary. So, uh, look, for the best, of course, but they're going to skip the highest peak of the race due to just being absolutely untenable. Yes, it, it was supposed to be uh, Grand San Bernardin. But Bertano, geez, I've done a good job You've with that. You've done a job. Uh, but it was—it's been a lot of snow up there, and they've cleared the roads. But they don't think that there's an acceptable risk around avalanches and stuff. So they've—they have chopped the chemo. I've got to say, when they are doing that in cycling, and and this is a massive hat tip to cycling, you know that it's extreme. If they are making yeah, that call, yeah. given some of the shit they ride through, when they're making that call, it's like you know what it that must, must be. be serious. Otherworldly. Well, instead, they go through a 5.8 kilometre tunnel. Yeah. Um, which I think is just amazing. 5.8 well, kilometres through the middle of a mountain. I've got some, yeah, Merxy's onto this. Merxy. How are they going to get the pictures out? Uh, he's always oh. thinking of the, well, the you product. Should, I mean, glad you, you should probably tell us, Merxy. Merxy, how are they going to get the how pictures out? How are they going to get the pictures out? I don't know. I think they'll go in. The chopper will just show that. Mountain and then we'll wait for them to come out. We're not going to mm. see like a James Bond diehard style chopper ch following them into the tunnel, like Ooh. a chopper pursuit. This, the, the vision goes up to a chopper, mm. radio frequency. How they get that out, I cannot wait to see. I don't know, but I, I think Joel's onto something with the James Bond thing here because um, Roger Moore actually lived in the, the village at the stage finish of Crans <laughs> Montana until the day he passed away. So oh, there wow. is a link there, Joel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, um, and it's a 25.7K climb, okay. right? So we're not expecting a big bunch. Yeah. There, there is a there. link there. And Merxy, if you don't mind, there could be a link there as in linking through the tunnel and relaying pictures out. Or the alternative is we're just going to watch shots of vistas and stats boards for that six kilometres because we won't be able to see what's happening in the tunnel. Yeah, I don't see how they can get the... Pictures mm. out. It's, it's fascinating. Geez, it's such a complex job. Mm. The uh, couch peloton often gets a little bit cranky pants when there's no vision, but it's um, not quite as easy as uh, mm. we might think. Well, we often speak about. Oh, sorry, Merxy. Sorry, the, the people don't realise the moto cameras all link up to the helicopter, and then the helicopter links the picture back uh. to the broadcaster. Wow. So without the choppers. 
the motorbikes can't get their pictures out. Get to the chopper. So they could get to the chopper. They so can't the, get to okay, the chopper. Okay, so and when that... Uh, when the motorbikes are in a, a, a tunnel that's beneath several hundred thousand tons of rock, the signal basically mm. can't make it out. Tough titties, no We're pictures. often speaking about broadcast being hampered by not existing when we miss out on big chunks <laughs> yes. of stages. But on this occasion, I want to give I, I want to give one to the the broadcasters because they just can't. There's a, a technical issue around showing pictures from this 5.8 kilometre tunnel. Yes. Well, and the reason that it is a deal that they're going through the tunnel and not over the Chimacopi uh, is because the Chimacopi, the high, it's the highest point in the Giro. Yeah. And the person, the rider who goes over the top first gets 50 points in the KOM competition. So in theory, the first over there, if they've accrued any other mountain points, um, could well take home the coveted KOM wow. jersey. So it's a big one. So they've moved it to Trecimi de Levarado on Thank stage you for 19, that, um, which is actually cool because it means that we are likely to see more breakaways on mountain stages uh, as the non-GC riders chase the KOM jersey because yep. now stage 19 is where um, it, it might be won or lost. So that's actually pretty cool. That is really, really There's cool. There's an upside now, for it. There sure is. Uh, out of the dark and into optimism, <laughs> yeah. quite literally. So the Chima copy being re-evaluated due to conditions. Now, let's talk about carnage because we, we do talk about that a bit because there's a lot of it, let's be mm. honest. So my my mate, uh, Sticky Tape Man, uh, one of the... Phew, Primos. Hates a tumble. Hates. Hates, hates <laughs> a tumble. We've, <laughs> we've seen an awful lot mm. of Primos's butt over the years. Because he's fallen so often that uh, we can often see exposed skin. Uh, that's how we finished stage 12. Uh, in his words. He, no, you're absolutely right. He often looks like he's been like attacked by a panther or something. And it's like <laughs> he does. clawed. What's his... happened? Um, he must get more team kits than any other Yumbo rider is my guess for the year. I reckon they'd probably give him 20 extra like JIC. Yeah. Just in case. But, but you know what? He earns it. He does he earn earns it. it. And he's got this attitude and this resilience that is almost, it's almost like it's out of a Hollywood movie. It, it genuinely, I think he inspires those around him with his tenacity and the ability to keep getting back on the bike. In fact, Merxy, I think you might have a quote that, that sums this up, his approach and his mental fortitude better than, better than anyone else can. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Okay, that's Primoz Rocklich uh, speaking after his four millionth stack. Of, uh, of his career there. Well, I mean, that was rocky. But those wink, words... Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink, Catherine. Those words were said by Primoz at the end. Yeah, so he me. said, it doesn't matter how you... You get hit, you get back up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, good attitude. I mean, it's... Uh, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty... I'm sorry. You put me off a bit with... Oh, hey, I, I forgot like about it. it. <laughs> Adrian! Is that when he's getting off the bike? <laughs> Covers his stag going, Adrian! He's like, sorry, my name's not Adrian. Can I help you though? Um, he's got such a good attitude. He, he does. He's like always smiling and joking. Yeah. Um, on top of uh, pulling out that wonderful 
um, sliced Stallone quote. Uh, he said, yeah, I finished today with some meat out. <laughs> with some meat out. <laughs> and, Wasn't that great? Uh, Garen Thomas got asked about it and he said, uh, yeah, I noticed he was a bit fleshy. A bit fleshy. <laughs> and that... Um, I got to say, one of the great, one of the great interviews, because it just gave, it was just a, a little gold mine yes. from Primoz. It really was. Well, I mean, and it'll help him in the coming days when it's all about power to weight, because as he said, he's a couple of grams lighter. Oh yuck! I and, mean, and, uh, for some reason, that image just puts uh, marginal you know gains. You know what sprung into my mind? A cheese grater. Oh. I know, I know. That's really gross, it's, but that's kind of what he's talking crashes about. Crashes are tough on the athletes, especially multiple crashes. I think he said three or four in this edition. Yeah. Uh, but all of them are crashing. So it's not that there's many riders who yep. have escaped it uh, to date. So that levels out the playing field a bit. Overall contenders as well. Uh, so Primo's obviously still sitting pretty uh, up in, in the well, top two, basically. Teo Gagenhart, no stranger to a slip and slide either. No, look, he's he had a really nasty crash. It was really confronting um, to watch on the coverage, actually, and for the other athletes involved because he was conscious but he didn't get up quickly. And, and in fact, one of Primoz's teammates, Kun Bowman, um, you can see him pat him on the back and mm. ask him, "Is can I help? You know, he's helping remove his bike from under him. And uh, apparently um, he said, Gagenhart said back to Bowman, I'm, I'm very hurt. I'm not getting up. So thank you, but I, I you know, I don't need any need help. To stay down. I need the ambulance. Oh and um, so they were talking about him perhaps breaking his leg. He's actually broken his hip. Um, he will need surgery on it. Oh. Um, but it's pretty terrifying if you um, Google doctor this, if you if you look into it. But I can say that there's quite a lot of athletes who have broken pelvises. And even when they've needed to be surgically repaired, who have been brilliant on the other end, mm. but you don't, we just don't know. So we'll just have to wait and see uh, some news from how he goes. But he, look, he's got an incredible attitude, Gagenhart, and I think in terms of mentality, if anybody's going to be able to come back well, he's one. But it's a, it's a bit of wait and see. I see it now. One of those. One of those comeback stories in the future. Yeah, uh, well, we don't know how long that future is. And but. Uh, he was in good spirits because even though he was in the hospital with this, he was still tweeting about um, his partner, who's a female football player for Arsenal, um, about how she was playing really well and scoring goals, and he mm. was congratulating her. So I think he's got a great support network and a great, great attitude. Mercy. Lionheart. Lionheart. You like it? I like it. Yeah. Very much so. Yes. Teo Lionheart. Thank I you. like That's it. That's fantastic. There we go. There's yeah. a new nickname for board. us. Uh, Teo Lionheart. Uh, all the best with with that recovery. What a just a oof, shocking. Well, shocking and it injury. turned it turned Ineos from being in the absolute hot seat with Garrett Thomas uh, in the pink and Gagenhart in third to, you know, change the change the game again. This is what you're talking about with the whole peak behind the curtain rundown changing. From day to day. Yeah, yeah like I when, had uh, uh, Ineos know. in the hot seat. I had to delete that pretty quickly. Another thing we had to delete. And and you know what? Let's just take a pause to breathe it in for a minute here because the Wheelhouse podcast is coming to you from the beautiful city of Venice. And as you can see, people are getting about with their lives. It's a beautiful sunny day. They're out about walking, mingling. Seagulls <laughs> um, are flying. Their seagulls are flying. The water looks beautiful. People are out eating, doing their thing. In a sense of normality, because the world, I guess, in a lot of people's perception, has returned to a state of normal post-pandemic. But 
it hasn't. And that has very much become evident in the Giro as well. Because no less than the world champion, the hot favourite, the pink shoe clad Remco of Annapol went down. Mm. And the world stopped. And you knew this was big news because it went mainstream. It went, it went everywhere. Remco out, Remco out, everywhere you look. And this, we're not covering this as, as breaking news because it happened quite yeah. a while ago. But the, the, the fallout, the spin-off from it has been quite significant. Uh, and we wanna, I want to talk to you about this, Kate Bates, because obviously mm. Remco going out, it sparked some conspiracy theories in Italy. It sparked questions of, has he, is he faking it? Is it even happening? Mm. And then it sparked a lot around protocols and around how seriously people are taking them, the distances between those there in the press, for example, and the actual bunch themselves. Are we respecting COVID? What Oof, does this all mean? How do we unpack. even get into this? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think we, <coughs> we start with well wishes mm. to Remco. I mean, forgetting anything to be in the pink jersey and be forced to abandon yep. um, a grand tour is is devastating and, and it will be very emotionally difficult uh, for Remco. He's young. He's 23 years of age. I, you know, in all realism, he's a boy, you know, and, and he's got so much pressure on his shoulders and he carries it exceptionally well. This would be devastating. Uh, but... The reaction has absolutely flam flamboozled me. It has flamboozled me as Is well. Is that a word? I like that word. No, well, I'm going to use now. it. It's because uh, some very well respected uh, figures in the community, including Alberto Contador, came mm. out and said, uh, "I'd like to believe that he has COVID, but there's a lot of other explanations." So he pulled out. After the time trial, he won the stage, but only by one second to Garrett Thomas. Mm -hmm. And he looked like hell. He looked really, really he, crook, It's not yeah. just that he looked like he was a bit fatigued. Yeah. He looked like absolute death He wasn't up. that smiling young man from the Pizza Hut commercials. He was not. And some people took that as he's tired, he's about to lose the lead, he's pulling out before the challenge. Wow. Seriously? Like, are we that far down the um, yeah. the foil hat tunnel where people have that kind of conspiracy theory? Yeah. Uh, and then probably more concerning than that, um, Gazzetta della Sport, like the big sport yep. um, newspaper in Italy, they have L'Equipe in France and we hear a lot about that during the tour, pub published an insane set of articles mm. quoting Italian legends in the sport saying, he should toughen up. In our day, we would have ridden on, like big deal, yeah. just because you have COVID. So they were saying, we okay, fine, we believe he has COVID, but he should continue. And you know, what what got me was was them saying he has disrespected the pink jersey. Yes. He's disrespect, and we spoke about this last. We touched on this in a completely different context, as in. Sharing the jersey, giving up valuable GC seconds, all that. And yeah. we actually said, you never know what can happen anyway. Mm. <laughs> Lo and behold. But <laughs> that that's different. That's very, very different to what these, these I'm going to call them accusations of saying you're disrespecting the jersey by bailing on the race because you're doing it a bit tough and you're not pushing through a deadly virus um, that has claimed so, so many lives right around the world and has been a plague on our existence for the last going on four years. Yeah, and, and I look, I think it's important to talk about this a little bit because 
social media also lit up enormously with some criticism of Remco, but also a lot of people not even aimed at Remco, but saying, why are they even testing them? Like, the world's moved on. Let's mm. move on. This isn't a thing anymore. We've come out the other side of it. And um, I will get a little bit personal here because this – I can't even tell you how crazy this drives me, Joel. Mm. Um, this year was one year anniversary since my darling father passed away and he passed away with COVID. And anytime somebody says to me, oh, this is in the past, I just cannot accept that. Because if he got COVID today, it would probably be the same outcome. Okay, we're not locking ourselves in our houses and things. The world has moved on to a degree, mm. but there's a humanity here. It is still killing a lot of people, a lot of vulnerable people. So that's the first thing. Sorry to bring it down a, not at all. No, a bit no, there, but, uh... you know, I just have to say that personally I just – the, the loss of humanity when people are talking about it. But let's dial back from the emotion a little bit because I think when we're emotional talking about things on both sides, that's when I think you get into these big debates and the facts get lost. So here are the facts. And these come from team doctors. Uh, we've spoken to a coach of a world tour team yep. um, who didn't want their name to be um, used. So we're just going to call them the wheelhouse doctor. Um, the wheelhouse doctor. doctor. But about... The impacts of COVID on athletes' help, um, health. The, the first and foremost is on heart health. And it's very well documented in non-athletes uh, that you can get heart inflammation um, of your pericardium. It can be very life-altering. If not fatal, it's very dangerous. That's before you then push your body to absolute extremes. And cycling and cardiac health is a really big one. Um, the second thing is we are now dealing, the world is dealing with long COVID. Mm. Whether or not athletes are symptomatic or not, actually they know now does not affect their vulnerability to long COVID. So they may not even know they have it and they will still get massively affected. So the current thinking uh, is that if you have a viral load of any kind, you just shouldn't be competing. That's influenza, that's COVID, and that it's a progression in the sport like concussion in football, absolutely to to check it. So it's that simple. But the athlete's perspective is an in, is an interesting one because mm. we hear all these commentators, former greats. You see it in other sports as well. Back in our day, what do the athletes think? Oh, they're a bit scared of it. Yeah, they don't want to get COVID, and they're scared of what it will do. I mean, athletes are incredibly health conscious. Yeah, it's it, they're scared of what it'll do to their career, but also their long term health. Uh, and and so they shouldn't have to be forced to push through it either. I have two words for you. And I know you're going to like it. Patrick Lefevre. Oh. Your mate Pat has actually had a bit to say on this and he's not necessarily going down his usual route. Yes. Look, I, I swallow, swallow my pride here, Joel. We know that I'm not a big Patty Doesn't fan. Like Pat. um, like no, he's handled this exceptionally well. He's, he, he's, <gasps> he's really <laughs> come on. That's great Can audio. That one more time. <laughs> <laughs> That's our live crowd here in, in uh, Venice. Um, Ciao. So he's come out and he's um, really advocated for his athletes. And he's yep. um, this is a quote from him. He says, it's not worth it to me. We're not going to be silly, are we? I'm not toying with the life of a 23-year-old boy, right? Uh, best thing he's ever said in my experience. So, so, like, toying with the life. Remco's dad then came out and said, 
we're talking about sons, fathers, brothers, young men. Why on earth do we think it's okay to push them so hard that it could have devastating effects on their health? Mm -hmm. why, why are we even having this conversation? If everyone should just be giving well wishes and that's it. Get better, yeah. Um, and, and then the other thing that I, I did see was that uh, the team doctor came out because five of the athletes from Sudar Quickstep have it. And he just said that he's really grateful that Lefebvre has given him, like has taken his medical advice because it's not in every circumstance that doesn't happen. A lot of the doctors give advice and the team managers go, I'll take that under advisement. Mm -hmm. um, but he said in the 25 years he's been working with the team that Patrick has never pressured him um, to go against medical advice and has allowed him to support the riders and do their job. So I think that is on the welfare front very good. So maybe That's he's fun, a yeah. misogynist, but maybe he's actually <laughs> not a horrible person. Yeah, wow. look, he's had some bad things to say, but this one actually makes a great deal of sense. And, and yeah. it, it, it amuses me, like in, in other sports we see it, Cricket, Formula One, tennis, you're out, you're out. You've got COVID, they're out. And yet the, the media doesn't tend to savage them as much. It's yeah. really interested me that they've gone so hard for the throat on this. Now on Remco, uh, I've got to ask, because we'll be there in Paris, of course. Will he be there? <laughs> no, he won't do the tour. Oh. I mean, everyone's going like, oh, wow, what an interesting tour. Oh, but not Remco, I'm kidding. I'm I mean, kidding. realistically, though, the Tour de France is six weeks away. And Remco will not be on his bike for a couple of weeks because he needs to look after his health. Mm. So there's that. Um, but also the biggest goal for him this year is the World Championships, especially the time trial. Uh, very hard to defend a road race, although, you know, a couple have done it. <coughs> Peter Sagan. Uh, Merksy is um, nodding, nodding along heartily at that one. And so he needs to just refocus now, you know, and... and Get over the mental load of what this has done. This will hurt. So yeah, it will. I think that we'll um, see him absolutely flying in Glasgow. Go binge Rocky. <laughs> yeah. One, two, and yeah. three. Just you don't need to watch three. Don't watch all of them. Just watch the first three and, and get yourself back into the uh, back into the frame of mind. Give Primoz a call. Exchange quotes. Mm. All of that. Uh, but look, all the best to him. And uh, there's no uh, from yeah. We'll move on. But athletes, they know what they go through. They're, they're just like, get better soon. And so are we. Let's talk about Australians on the Wheelhouse podcast because we're a pair of Australians right here in beautiful Venice. Now, hasn't been the best. Uh, <laughs> mixed fortunes. We've mixed. had a couple of stage wins. It We've, started brilliantly. We have. But look, let's summarise it by saying close but no cigar. Ash. Um, Simon Clark, stage five. Oh, oh. You had to bring that up. Sorry, look, we had, we've got on the pizza box uh, stage eight because uh, Kino um, was dead set that stage eight was built for a Simon Clark sorry, uh, victory. Um, Kino is not often wrong, but he was on this occasion. But he went on stage five and close but no cigar. We're also crossing out uh, Teo Gagenhardt I'm on not, there. I'm not. I'm not crossing out Jay Bond. No, no, do not. Um, Seb Berwick, he was third on stage 12 after being in the break all day. Again, close yep. but no cigar. Yep. Uh, one of our stage winners, Caden Groves, he's got a tummy bug. Um, so he's headed home. All the best to him. But yep. a breakout, you know, first Grand Tour. Absolutely. First Jura stage win. So that's amazing. And uh, our boy Jack Haig sitting just outside the top 10, still in GC contention with the big mountains coming. Uh, so could he be Bahrain victorious? Oh, highest oh. placed Aussie in 11th, uh, I, I believe, uh, last time I checked anyway, but they're in the mix. Yes. And I want to talk about Berwick really quickly because uh, – 
Young Brizzy boy, even though claimed by the Southern... Yeah. Whatever. Born in Brisbane. Yeah, exactly. Grew up in Melbourne. Check the birth certificate. We'll, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll take him. Yeah. Um, was in the mix. Was, was right there in the mix. Uh, look, I just want to focus on the mm. quote because I ain't doing shit, <laughs> he said at some point. Now... That's fantastic. Yeah, he said it to Nico Dens, who went on to win the stage. And well done to him, his first Grand Tour stage win. Uh, but <laughs> he was wanting a little bit more assistance in the break from Seb Berwick. And nah. Seb wanted none of it. Uh, You've got to be careful with that because even though strategically it was a good decision for the youngster, uh, you know, sometimes riders then don't want to ride with you in breaks because they don't count on you as reliable. So yeah. it's, it's a fine line, but I, I like his... Uh, Attitude. I ain't doing but shit. But it was, that was, stage 12 was on 18th of May, which is my birthday. Yeah. And I had said on our first Euro show that I really wanted an Aussie result uh, on that day and I felt really good about it. So we got pretty close, right? We sure did. Yeah, just no cigar. No, but he spoke about his frame, his, his slight frame sort of holding him mm. back a little bit at the end, all of that. So it's all right. You want to... Talk about weight gain? I'm your, I'm your guy. <laughs> um, let's stay on the Aussies. So we've had some good news, some bad news. Uh, Jaco doing some recruiting of a, of a prominent Australian as well. Uh, yep. The Pied Piper, Kate Bates. Yes, Alan Piper. He is one of the most revered and respected uh, kind of race advisors, analysts in the sport. He worked with UAE for a long time and um, really considered one of the secret weapons behind Pogacar. Uh, he's a... Grand Tour stage winner himself. He won a stage in the uh, Giro in 1990. There you go. And and the Tour de France team time trial in 1990. Was around the block a lot as an athlete and also has been as a team director. He's been unwell. He's, he's fought a cancer battle and he's won. Um, and we just love Alan Piper in here at the wheelhouse. He's yeah. just such a good fella. Yep. Um, we'll get him on the phone soon uh, in the next couple of weeks to, to chat about what it means. Uh, for him to be there. But a really great appointment by Jaco Alula. Yeah, I think huge. that, um, yeah, I, I think that'll make a material difference to, to their performance. Good so to well hear. done. Recruiting on and off the track. Now, acquisition. I have a, a, I'm just toying with a slogan, mm. if you don't mind, uh, on the Wheelhouse podcast. When Grace Brown is in town, you're going down. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? What do you reckon? Oh, I've spent a little bit more. There's work been, look, there's been better slogans, but what do you reckon about Grace Brown? <laughs> I'm so pleased uh, to see her winning. It, it was her first win in a time trial at the Women's Tour of Britannia in her Aussie Champions I colours. Love that. It's been a bit of a tough early season classics campaign for Grace. I don't think she quite uh, got some of the results that she was hoping for, but she's coming into form, which is great timing ahead of uh, the upcoming Giro and the Women's Tour de France and such. But she then went on to win the GC. At the Tour of Britannia. So, uh, go GB. I love GB. She's so Boom. humble. She's so humble. She too. is. She's she a just, lot of uh, fun. She just goes about her business, works hard. Yeah. Yeah. The Wheelhouse has Amanda Spratt as a, an exclusive correspondent. So, we might try and get Grace Brown on board Definitely. as well. You'll be able to sort that out, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. we'll get on to it. Well, and while we're talking um, <coughs> the Aussie women, it's great to see Sarah Roy back. So, welcome back on the bike, Sarah. She uh, broke her tailbone in the Spring Classics and that curtailed the that season for a bit. She then went on to the track and uh, she had a stack in the team's pursuit at the Milton World Cup yep. and got a dirty giant splinter uh, in her leg that took a number of days oh to then get out and, and did a fair bit of damage to the muscle. So she's had a bit of a rough trot, but she is one resilient 
uh, athlete and it's just so good to see her back uh, on the bike. They're on track camp in Portugal at the moment. Uh, I think, Merxie, have you booked our tickets to Portugal yet? It looks amazing, doesn't it? Does, it? doesn't it? It looks so good. Look, and Sorry, Merxie, the question was, have you booked our tickets yet? <laughs> Working on the Work. tour, Joel. The tour Thanks, is our Mercy. priority. <laughs> Thank you, Maxi. France, uh, a little bit further north than <laughs> Portugal. But um, very quickly, I, I'm just feeling a little bit ripped off. I, I spent literally years of my life on track camp with the Australian team. Yeah. And we trained in a place in Germany um, that we referred to as Butthole. Oh. Um, it was, it's called Butgen. Um, okay. Very near Dusseldorf. Uh, but I think that what we called it is probably describes how we felt about it. Didn't like the joint. And then the, okay. the ladies are in Portugal in the most beautiful place with the most beautiful <laughs> pool. And look, I'm glad that they've caught up. I, uh, look, I say this to you often. You had your birthday this week. Happy birthday, by the way. You. Never too late for a comeback. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think Merxie would support that. Oh, maybe he would if we got to go to Portugal. That'd get us oh. our tickets. There you go. Uh, and... Uh, the other thing I wanted to flag is there's this beautiful documentary out, um, All Access from Trek, and uh, it's about Lizzie Dagnan. It's about her comeback. But the opening scene is of Amanda Spratt kind of talking smack about Lizzie Dagnan and having a good laugh about it. That's great. Good so, on you, Spratty. you know, good on S- you, Spratty. You want. Good on your blue shoes. Yeah. got a good sense of humour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so th- that's great. So Grace Brown doing putting everyone – down uh sarah roy getting up off her ass uh with with after a co- oh my goodness you're I, on the fly i'm so here. glad i didn't do my segues because they were all really bad <laughs> uh, that look big big on the lizzie dine that'll be great yeah. all access doco we love our docos what's your title it for it well their title i can't beat the queen is back don't like it oh come Dying on now out. Di- uh, <laughs> dined and back well, no, that's in dining out. Oh, do- oh, no, I get it. That, no, that, that, see, yeah. but it wasn't catchy enough that I got it Still first time. Still want to do better than them. No, anyway, but look, we'll it's it. it's about thirteen minutes. It's worth thirteen minutes, and what it it talks about her coming back from maternity leave, having her second child, and um, just it's so clear how well respected she is within the team, and it sort of also highlights that even if she's not yet back to winning races. She has a hugely positive influence over the team with her experience, being able to shepherd some of the younger riders yep. through the bunch and teach them. And uh, they talk about how she's helped um, Gaia Raolini, who then went on to perform so well at the Women's Vuelta. Yep. So really great to have her back. And, and one really interesting thing that she talks about is that in every single interview, she kind of essentially gets asked who's looking after the kids and she said, I've got a teammate, Balka, who's got three kids at home and he's never been asked who are looking after your kids, you know. And so she's like, shout out to journos. Uh, if, you want, if you want me to talk, <laughs> don't ask me who's looking after the kids. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting. But great to see her back in the bunch. It sure is. Uh, what a story. And I love yeah. the, the inspiration that she provides as well. And also the getting back to full fitness, that, that side of it will be really, really interesting and, yes. and how she's gone about that. Now... Another person who's getting back to full fitness is a little-known uh, male cyclist. Now, I might be pronouncing this today, Pogasar, <laughs> who I believe hurt his wing, hurt is his wrist. This, is this where the toe crunches yes, come in? Yes, so oh, has we got been, there. Uh, has, has, has revealed himself to the world. He's in, his, he's in Monaco and he's chilling. He's going out on a pretty tight budget because he's not, you know, overly wealthy and just seeing the sights. But when he's not doing that, he's working out and he's doing 
uh, toe crunches in his kitchen. Hmm. Uh, in, sorry, toe crunches in his garden, jogging up the stairs near his home and working on rollers in his kitchen. Well, <laughs> What's so a toe crunch? I'm I don't sorry. know what a toe crunch is. I am going to find out. Please do. Yes, yes. The um, One of the UAE coaches, Kevin Poulton, uh, is a really well-respected Aussie See, I'm coach. I'm trying to do one here, but this feels it's, more like a car It looks phrase. like a car phrase, what you're doing, Joel. I'm trying to stare like a ballerina. Like crunching up on your toes. Yeah. How's that work? It's <laughs> yeah. hurt. It hurts. Uh, it's great. I mean, it, he says he's taken the opportunity to watch his uh, fiance Erska Zigart, who yeah. rides for Jayco Alula, at the Women's Welter. So that's fantastic. Uh, but what I thought was a little bit funny is that he's riding, he calls it rollers in Australia. If you're not a track rider, you'd call it a trainer. Uh, rollers are a really specific track thing. I'm, he's not on that based on the photos. But uh, he's, if not the, one of the highest paid riders in the sport, in mm. the millions, right? When he's on his trainer, he puts it in his kitchen. There's no pain cave. There's no ginormous mansion uh, with a big garage underneath. Yeah. Uh, I had a bit of a laugh at that. I did too. Yeah. yeah. He's frugal. Yes. I hope he puts a mat down so the floor's not slippery. <laughs> I don't want to damage the tiles in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, no amount of toe crunches will will save you from slipping on a puddle of sweat. No, but it's good to see him back. Geez, he's funny, isn't he? Like, I yeah, just love how he, um, you know, responds on social media and he... he Peels back the curtain a bit. He lets us see what he's up to and, and stay on the journey. He does. And then Remco responds to, to him very supportively. And you don't often see that with these great rivals. Remco coming in, he basically called him boss man. Boss man. You're a monster. Love you. I know. Well, you know, and so long as their rivalry at the moment has small overlaps, not giant ones, I think we're going to see that camaraderie grow. I, I think so. Yeah. And like you said at the top of the program, is that they're both young, very, very young. They guys. are. And while we're on the funny stuff and talking about people supporting each other, uh, it turns out that Ben Stiller, Hollywood Ben Stiller, is a massive Garrett Thomas fan. There you go. And has been sending him shout-outs on social media, which is sending people bananas. Oh, wow. They just don't understand the link at all. So Ben Stiller is fantastic. up watching the Giro and, and getting behind. Uh, yeah, he, he loves Garrett Thomas. So That's, there you go. Okay, I didn't know Ben Stiller yeah, was Yeah, we haven't though. had any Hollywood uh, at the Grand Tour since Armstrong was bringing along Matthew McConaughey and... Cheryl Crow and such. All right, all right, all right. All right. Oh, and Patrick Dempsey, also known as McDreamy. McDreamy. He came along too, so. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if he could start supporting any writers and start coming along, I wouldn't be disappointed. Donations always accepted <laughs> too. If, you, if you're listening, Ben. Yeah, um, yes. I know you're a producer and whatnot. Hey, Ben. Uh, this is the Wheelhouse <laughs> Podcast uh, coming to you from beautiful Venice next week. Next week, all roads lead to Rome and yes. I'm going to insist that we use some quotes from Gladiator because we're heading to Rome to wrap it all up it's been a great trip uh, I've really really had a ball a little bit of you know travel fatigue setting in but I tell you what it's been an extraordinary event to, if you could please witness. dress as Marcus Aurelius uh, you knew Marcus Aurelius <laughs> next week in Rome that would be tremendous yeah that's going to happen this yeah. is the Wheelhouse Podcast please jump on board uh, jump in the saddle with us like, share, subscribe my name's Joel Spreadborough your name Catherine Bates we'll see you next time ciao ciao <laughs>